Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Say Who, Say Pod. He's Danny O'Neill. I'm Christian Capel. The Washington Huskies are 5-2 and two after a 49-39 to 39 victory over Arizona. Danny, I don't know about you. Um, my biggest takeaway from this game and from the last three weeks is just, okay, we know what this team is. 40-32, to 45-38, 49-39. They're going to score a bunch of points. They're going to give up a bunch of points. They're going to play a bunch of shootouts. But it was Arizona, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, listen. Hey, those are some good receivers. <laughs> Arizona's going to score. There wasn't a point in that game where I was like, really like, okay, they're going to lose. Like, there wasn't a point of like, but there was a point where I'm like, God, they should have won this five times by now, and they can't put them away. And and it wasn't because I thought Arizona was good. It's like, this is this is one of the worst defenses that I've ever seen on a Washington team. Like they're they're terrible. This was um they do play Colorado, so we'll see. This is the last time they're gonna share the field with a defense worse than theirs. Possibly. At least a pass defense. Because like if there's any any silver lining to take from watching Washington's defense right now, it's what Arizona is is putting out there. My goodness. Um Yeah, yeah, it's pretty poor. Right? Yeah, thought, pretty poor. I thought Panics played really well and like obviously Romo Dunes they had a great game. Like Washington's very talented. They're set up to exploit a, a defense like that, but um I mean the the number of wide open receivers it just seemed like every time Panics dropped back to pass, there was not gonna be any pressure and there was gonna be somebody wide open. Um, so I, it's interesting that Washington scored the same number of points against Arizona as Cal did because Cal has done very, very, very little offensively since then. But I think it just like when Cal put up 49 on them, I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe that's not a bull team. Their offense is bull worthy. I think Jaden Delora is pretty good. Man, that Teteroa McMillan kid is going to be a monster. That dude is super talented. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of the same issues defensively. Um, I don't know that there's any, I don't know that, that there's an answer or a solution right now. Like they've got Asa Turner back. They've got Jordan Perryman back. Those guys are probably still, you know, banged up and getting back into shape and stuff. But other than getting Michelle Powell back, you know, this is, this is kind of who they are. This is close to what they expected to be, you know, again, other than the guys maybe playing through some stuff. And I just, I don't know what the solution is for the pass defense. Like Kalen DeBoer said afterward, hey, like, you know, they're probably not going to see another passing offense like Arizona's. And I don't know that that's quite true. Like, I think Oregon's got some weapons and Bo Nix has been playing really well, but they do play the Pac-12's three least efficient passing offenses in their last five games. So I think he is on to something. But um, I don't know. Like, I think I think this is the team that, you're flipping through at late, late at night, looking for some football to still watch. And oh, hey, Washington's you know combined for eighty or ninety points with whoever they're playing. It's are they getting better? Because that's that's probably the point. And maybe maybe that's you, you say that there's not other guys coming back. Maybe that's the thing to watch for. Is do do they start to get better? Because you should reach a point where you start to see improvement. It's a new team, a new coaching staff, it's a new system, and over the course of the first year, you should start to see some improvement, and And I think they're at a point where they're, I, I get that they're banged up in the secondary, and, and, I, and I get that even there are guys that are playing that they don't really think should be playing, like would be, if they if they were a little healthier or a little deeper, there are some guys that they, they might not be suiting up. They might be getting time to get healthy that they just can't right now because they don't have the bodies. But we, sh- we should start to see some improvement. And I would say that's the thing that's most troubling to me over the past three games is they're like, it kind of looks like the same thing keeps happening, right? Like it's, it's kind of just, and then you kind of throw up your hands and it's like, okay, I guess they just don't have the guys, because you should you should expect improvement, especially when you've got a first year staff. Yeah, like I think the pass rush got better, and I, you know, they they weren't productive against UCLA and ASU, but like I think those guys were doing okay still and winning their individual matchups. They were just against ASU most. I mean, they were just a lot of quick throws and 
think it was hard for them to generate a pass rush in that game. And then, like, I think they they got Delora off his spot a lot in this they game. They did. But he's, he's a great scrambler. He made him pay, and they don't have the athletes. They don't have the speed at at linebacker and, and yes. you know, the, maybe the, the instincts in the back end to, you know, to, to clamp down on that. Like, I, I think that was kind of their – maybe their one weakness – in all these years when they were really, really good defensively was the mobile quarterback who could make him pay if everything was covered up and, you know, he had some room up the middle or something. So I, I think they I think they had like 24, 25 pressures per pro football focus, and that kind of matches what you, what you watched because they did get him out of the pocket a lot, and they wound up sacking him four times, consecutive plays there at the end to, to kind of get off the field. But um, it looked like a better start. Right, Arizona got the ball first, then went three and out. Then they score. They force another punt. I mean, they force punts on consecutive possessions. Like, holy cow! Did you ever think you'd see that again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was encouraging, right? You feel like, oh, okay, things are getting back to normal. But uh, you know, maybe not. Maybe not. It was. Ah. It did feel like it started better, and I I do agree with you about the scrambling quarterback. That can be a worst case scenario against a defense like Washington's, right? That you got an you got an opponent that is playing from behind, so they're kind of like, hey, whatever you got, you got to make some stuff happen. You got a guy that can run around some, and and I would agree about the speed at middle linebacker. Um, I think there have been some positive things from from Bright and from Mall, but I don't think that I don't think that there has been a huge upgrade in in the speed they have at at middle linebacker um, compared to what we've seen. They they just that's that's going to be a tough matchup for them. Any scrambling quarterback can probably give them some issues. I think it might have been you might have already been able to call this after they gave it forty five to ASU, and and most of that was was to a backup quarterback. Um, but if if they don't keep Cal under like 30 and really they shouldn't even be close to that based on what their performance has been this year. Um, then I think it's, it's fair to wonder like, well, who, who can these guys stop? Because Cal scored nine points against Washington state. They just scored 13 points in a loss to Colorado. That is, that is not a team you can turn around a week later and get into a shootout with, um, and still feel like there's, defensive improvement coming right around the corner so like this is the week I think it if you want to look glass half full defensively it's it's an opportunity for them to like go put a number on the board that they actually feel good about and maybe get some confidence going that way Cal's really going to test them on the ground Uh, obviously Jay Knott is an awesome freshman running back he's going to be really really good in this conference for the next couple years um, assuming you know there's still a conference and everyone's still here and yada 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 but um, the they can't give up 40, you know, 39, 40 points to Cal. It just can't like this is the one team left on the schedule, maybe even more so than Colorado. That, are, are, are you sure? Are you sure it's can't? And are you sure? You, yeah, when I say can't, shouldn't, you should. It's they not shouldn't. a thing. They can, it's not a it's not a thing there's, that there's they can do put, and still not, feel like they can be good defensively. <laughs> There's not much I'm going to put past. We're not defense. ruling it out. We're not ruling I'm it not out. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say can't. <laughs> like it's so that game's happening at the same time as the Mariners game, right? Well, there were a lot of things happening at the same time yeah. as the Mariners game because that went on pretty much all day. But I found myself going back to the Mariners more than I normally would, and you wanted to more see people I... not scoring. <laughs> Because you felt like things were in hand. Like it, it's it's really like I love I love watching Washington's offense play. Like it it is it's really fun to watch. But you were like, okay, that's where I I felt like they'd won the game like three or four times, and they couldn't ever slam the door shut. And that's because that defense is is awful. And so yeah, they shouldn't allow points to Colorado. But I'm not going to say can't. <laughs> I I've seen what they're capable of. Yeah. Um Oh, I'm sorry, to California. I said Colorado. I was thinking Buffs. Well, it's like the 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 Buffs are the one cuz that's They, they got to play the, them too. <laughs> the resurgent Colorado Buffaloes. Yeah, I don't know if I go resurgent. <laughs> I don't know if I say resurgent there. Once again, once again we are taught it's really really hard to go 0 and 12. God. It takes It takes it takes effort. a 
it takes a willful disinterest, right? Like you have to actually be disinterested in winning a football game. Yeah. And Colorado, they were interested in winning a football game against California on Saturday. And good for them. Good for the field storm too, by the way. Like way more people are still showing up for their games than you might assume for a program in the condition that they're in. Yeah. Colorado's got an interesting student body. Um, I don't know how it was. Oh, are we are we 10 years? Are we more than 10 years? I graduated high school in 93. How much younger are you than me? Oh, um, I graduated in 06, 13 years. Okay. Were there, was Colorado like a popular place for like the hip kind of popular kind of outdoors kids? Because like in... I, I had a group of my friends from California that went there. Like it was a very popular destination for sort of the... I like independent rock, Big Head Todd and the Monsters. Like it's fun to be outside. General interest in in some illicit drugs. Like that, it was a very popular place. Is is Boulder was Boulder the same way when you were coming out of out of high school? Well, we were all really interested in illicit drugs, but um, I don't remember. I don't think I know a single person who went to Colorado. Yeah, I remember thinking like because I had uh, I had the NC the EA Sports NCAA video games. On the yeah. PC, on PC back then, I didn't even uh-huh. have a console yet. It was like '98, I want to say, and I would play at Colorado all the time because I just thought their stadium was really cool. With looks the, awesome, the Colorado spelled out in the end zone, and um, you know, I like, I rem- I remember that being a program that like you had to deal with. They had the you know the year that they blew out Nebraska, and yep, um, I think they they, they won the-, the Big Twelve, right, or maybe went to a BCS game or something, and like it was a. You know, they were on. They won a share of a national title. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was just before, you know, I, I right. could really be like conscious of, of football, but like, you know, certainly that was still in everybody's mind. Like that hadn't, it hadn't even been a decade at that point. So, yeah. They got five downs to do it, but they, they won it. You had the Hail Mary. Um, I mean, I think it's facilities related, but you've got, it's still a fairly popular place. And yeah, I, I, and students are always going to go to games like in that community, I think. Yeah, Boulder's just awesome. I love Boulder's pretty cool. Yeah, it's expensive now. Like it's gotten expensive to live there. Is it? Yeah, I, there's some sort of tech industry. I had, a friend of mine had moved there a couple of years ago, and they told me, and I was like, "Really?" They're like, "It's kind of like Bend," and I was like, "Why?" But I guess it's expensive. It's all those indie rock kids. <laughs> they grew up. They grew up and learned how to code. It wasn't. It wasn't a bad. I mean, it was. I thought the the Pac-12 kind of acquitted itself pretty well over the weekend right like things like utah beating usc stanford beating notre dame uh, washington a- like I, I i thought things california gets up off the mat i i, I thought the conference itself looked pretty good yeah oregon state kind of kind of yeah. state kind of state claim to you know they're hanging around like hey don't don't forget about the beeves um tough tough run here for wazoo this is a they 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 had to go play. We had Oregon at home. Then had to go play at SC. Then they play Oregon State. They got a they got Saturday off, but then they've got a Thursday game in Pullman against Utah. So this has been a a brutal stretch of their schedule. Um, you, how bad of a loss is that for Notre Dame? Oh my yeah, it's goodness. pretty terrible loss. Yeah, and and the way they lost it too, scoreless in the first half, and really, I mean, God, yeah, that that looked really bad. Who's the third? I think probably both of us are going to agree. U- USC and Utah are the two best teams in the conference, right? Or is Oregon has, is Oregon ahead of Utah? I mean, doesn't UCLA have to be in that? They they oh, did beat yeah, Utah. That's true too. I still I'm still waiting for like a super adverse situation for UCLA because they had the soft non conference schedule. They got Washington and Utah both at home, right? So like. This is, you know, this weekend in in Autzen is their first like, you know, you're you're playing a tough team and you're not in a comfortable environment. They're they're really talented, you know. Like no matter where you play Utah, that's a great win because Utah's a really good team. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to like disparage the Utah win, but if they can come out of Autzen unbeaten, like then it's like okay, you it's time to take UCLA like really really seriously. Right now is the winner. I think like, yeah is I think USC USC and and Oregon maybe are the two teams like I at least want to play, but yeah gosh you, 
that's a tough it's a tough deal because I mean US Utah just just pulled off a great win against one of those teams. So there's a lot if, of congestion up there. Is the winner of Oregon UCLA the favorite in the conference? I gotta think so. They'd be the last unbeaten team left. Mm-hmm. Um Oregon's gotta play Utah, but not USC. Right. UCLA's already played Utah. They would they would basically just have SC left as far as like a, a really tough game. So, yeah, I mean, I I think the path to the title game is is pretty well set for the winner of Saturday's game. Is so if we've got USC, UCLA, Oregon, Utah, who's the fifth best team in the conference right now? It's either Washington or Oregon State, right? Right. Um, and Washington gets Oregon State at home. Yeah, I. F- feel like you maybe trust Oregon State a little more right now um, just because they're like one of the few teams in the league capable of really putting the clamps on a passing game like you saw against USC. So, But their quarterback situation is yeah. is tough. And you know, that's kind of what you, you think about. You think about a team you trust down the stretch. It's usually a team with like a veteran quarterback who can – can lead a last second drive or, you know, put the team on his back and they don't really have that. And Washington does. So, I mean, who, who do you like the team that, that can, that can outscore anybody or the team that, that can actually stop someone from scoring? Generally, I, I say go with the team with the defense, but since the way Washington is going this year, I'm now becoming a huge advocate of offense and I'm like, okay, fine, go ahead. Look like a mountain West team. Like play like you're in the whack. It's fine doesn't matter we're just going to spread it out and, and Penix is going to throw for 500 yards to all of these receivers it goes against everything in my nature about what I've liked about college football like I've never really we, Washington's never really had to root for this this kind of team I mean I guess the year that they lost that Nick Holt was the defensive coordinator and they were like there was some of that that year but even then we kind of knew that was an aberration like here there's there's like an actual question of like okay is this what it's going to be like like it's great news that DeBoer is as proficient an offensive coach as it, as it looks like. Like everything that's happened this year is is great sign with that regard. But there's kind of this question I I have of like, huh, is is this is this what's going to be like on the other side of the ball? Like, is this because because you're not really sure about that part, right? Like, how how much do we know about how DeBoer really expects? his defense or hopes the plans that he has for the defensive side of the ball. We know about his offensive pedigree. The other side is a little, is a little bit more of a, Hmm, what's this going to be like? So they weren't, they weren't bad defensively the last couple of years at Fresno. I want to say they were, they were in like the mid twenties scoring defense wise, like in terms of points per game. And I want to say they were like top 30 nationally without looking at it. Um, going back to Sioux Falls, they, they won a lot of games defensively. They, they won, like they won NAIA championship games, I want to say, in like really close, like slugfest conditions. Um, yeah, that's kind of why he like he he made an effort as his career progressed to reconnect with Chuck Morrell, who's their co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach, and he's their defensive play caller. Um, you know, it was it was very like it, in the Sioux Falls days, it was very much like Kalen DeBoer, you know, running the offense, Chuck Morrell running the defense. And they had some great defenses, so it's like I, I do think it's it's probably a little irritating for DeBoer for people to see this team and think like, oh well, they got they got their offensive coach who only cares about offense, and I guess that's fine. But you know, gee, is is the defense ever going to get any like you know attention, or does he care? Like he has he has mostly coached teams with very 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 good defenses, so I, I would imagine that that this grinds at him, you know, we'll see in the off season, what the steps are to address it. Like, I don't think they're anywhere near, you know, needing to consider like coaching changes or anything like that. But I think they've pretty clearly identified some positions. They're probably going to hit hard in the portal. I get everything you're saying and I don't want to discount it, right? Like you have a body of work to evaluate, which is going how, how Kalen DeBoer moved up the ranks, which it wasn't with teams that win, every game 55 to to 45 here comes here comes like the big hairy butt though right but when you have a guy whose career moves up that way there's always the question of 
does he have the full staff he needs to survive at sort of that higher level of competition? Because this, the Pac-12 is a higher, a higher level of competition than we've seen DeBoer at as a head coach before. And I don't want to be like, oh, you can't really take into account what Chuck Morrell was like when he was the defensive coordinator at Sioux Falls because, look, it was the same. They were playing a, a style of football together. But, like, there kind of becomes the question of, all right, do you have is, – is, is that whole system going to work up here? Because I'm, I'm really confident that the offense is. And there's enough of, like, watching it where I'm like, was the, was the cupboard really this bare? Like, was, was the cupboard really this bare that you've seen this defense fall off the, the way it has? And I get how injuries are there. Like, there's enough happening that I, I'm not going to just assume that, like, okay, everything's going to be all right once they get their guys in here. <laughs> there's kind of like, why, 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 can't, why can't they stop people from throwing over the top of them? Because it's, it's looked the same for a few weeks now. I'm, I think kind of like you mentioned earlier, it'll be interesting at the end of this, you know, these 12 games here. Okay. How much better did they get? Mm-hmm. You know, and then, but then it's, it's kind of damned if you do damned, if you don't, if they go out and, and hold Cal to 14 points, are you saying, okay, that boy, they, they got a lot better week to week. Or are you just saying, well, they played Cal. Um, I, I'm not going to say that they just played Cal. I'm going to say, like, what, what I'll say next week if they held him to 14. I was like, all right, we saw some progress. Because <laughs> right now I'm petrified that Cal's going to come out and score 29 and Washington's going to, like, their offense is going to have a hiccup. They, they haven't really had a bad game as an offense yet, right? Like, we haven't really, there were a couple turnovers in the first half of the UCLA game that they couldn't really make up for. But, like, that's going to happen, especially for a team that throws the ball as much as this team does. Like, you're going to, you're going <laughs> to, you have to be able to win a clunker or two where your where your offense doesn't fire, or maybe maybe they don't, and this offense is just going to be a juggernaut the whole year. But I, I could, I don't want to see what would happen if Cal scored twenty seven points in this game and maybe is able to muck it up with Justin Wilcox and the burr he's been in our side. Like we're we're paying Washington is paying the karmic debt for basically thirty years of just running roughshod over Cal because now it seems like goofy stuff happens against them and we get the raw side of the stick. It's a uh... It's interesting. Somebody we were having a conversation in the media room the other day, and someone mentioned the 2001 Cal game in Berkeley, and that ha- just happened to be the last the last of their streak. They beat them 19 straight times, and then I think Cal won the next five or mm-hmm. six. I'd be interested to see how many how many college football series or rivalries there have been over the years where one team won that many in a row, and then the other team immediately went on a on a winning streak. But um, yeah, something weird does always happen when these teams play. And so that's kind of the, like I I look at it on paper and I think Cal's defense has not been so good. Like they've had some really good defenses under Justin Wilcox, but they've not been so good this year that I I think that like, this is the team that's, that's going to stifle Michael Penix jr. This is the team that's going to lock up Romo Dunze and Jalen McMillan. Um, And their offense has been so bad that I I do think like this is this is a quarterback and this is a at least a passing attack that Washington should be able to to stymie. They should be able to get pressure on the quarterback. They should be able to cover these guys one on one man coverage. They should be a little bit healthier. Um, it sounds like oh I said I I aired earlier. I said Michelle Powell was the only guy they were missing, but Dom Hampton just went down. He didn't play last week, so. He's day to day. Maybe they get him back. Maybe that would help. Um, I, I just this is this is a game where if you if you if you don't go out and show that you've improved, I don't know that you you believe it's coming. So um, yeah, I would agree with that. It's kind of a if not now when and and maybe this is just what it's going to be, and you're going to have to to score a million points every single game. Um, which I mean, fortunately, they've shown that they're they're fairly capable of doing. Um, it's a really good offense. It's a really good offense. It is, and it's how how good is Romo Dunze? Like in the context of of Washington receivers, because what he's doing is as far as yards averaged in Pac-12 play, um, it's it's through four games anyway, and through the four defenses they've played, whatever. 
Um, it's it's better than anyone they've ever had, just purely statistically. Who who are the benchmarks? Like, is it well, Reggie Williams? Right. And is even, it best yeah. since Reggie Williams? Is that? I'm trying to think if there's anybody in there that I'm going to miss. John Ross would be the would be the only yeah. The only Ross other comparison. Was, Ross was devastating, but Ross had a weird career. Like there, there was a point. Was it after his sophomore year or after his freshman year? Like where they were talking about flipping him to defense. He played corner in twenty in in twenty fourteen Peterson's first year. Yeah, he started at corner, and I believe had an interception in either the Apple Cup or the Cactus Bowl. He played he played like that last second half of the season at corner. Yeah, which was really weird, and it remains really weird. And then they talked about doing it even when he was in the pros and like nothing was working with Cincinnati. Like there was a there was a discussion about that as well. So I, I never I never quite understood that. Rome is a better receiver than John Ross was. Like Ross Ross was so blazing fast, but Rome like Rome's ability after the catch, and I don't I don't know if it's because he basically wears no pads that it seems more intimidating to me. Where I'm like he's kind of out there and he's just like he doesn't appear to be that worried about getting tackled. Like he's so he's just physically dominant and it's not in the same way Reggie Williams was cuz Reggie Williams was thick. Like yeah. Reggie Williams was this very very thick player that you you just there wasn't any question that like oh man that that DB might kill him. You're like he's so big. And Rome's Rome's strong but he's kind of skinnier looking and again like am, am I crazy? He doesn't seem to wear that many pads, Christian. He he doesn't he doesn't look like a guy who's like super bulked up out there. No. Um But he's but he's really aggressive with the ball and confident. I love the way he plays. I and I, I think I think that's been been clear the few times he got the ball last year. I thought he looked so incredibly he he carries the ball with this like level of nonchalance almost. It's just like you know that he's looking to make something happen. I I, I, he's a great player. He's really, really fun to watch. It's getting to the point where it's it's fair to kind of think about, you know, did they did they is Romo Dunze going to leave and you're going to go, man, he was barely there, you know, because this is this is a big, a big year. This is exactly what people who scouted him and evaluated him and recruited him like this is the season. All those people totally one hundred percent thought he was capable of having. Last year, I think he led the team in targets. I think he was like top fifteen in the Pac twelve in targets. So it's not like he was not like they never threw him the ball. But I don't think anybody felt like he anyone any of their best offensive players got the number of touches they should have got last year. And they were so bad that it it just it didn't matter. Like you almost throw last year out, right? Like last year was yes. kind of a lost year for everybody. And then his true freshman season was twenty twenty, which was really a lost year for everybody for reasons that out of anybody's control. So he could turn in this really great, I mean, this, this, you know, up there with the all time greats in school history type of season with, you know, however, however many catches he's going to finish with. He's on pace for over a thousand yards. He's going to have double digit touchdowns probably. And with his, with his measurables and his athleticism and his size and everything, that's going to be enough to probably justify turning pro if he wants to and maybe there are some some considerations that would bring him back for another year I don't know but he's definitely going to be in position to to make that decision and if he does go I I I think he's one that you look at like man like well the first two years of his career were kind of wasted for reasons that had nothing to do with him and it would have been you know if you're Washington you're probably thinking it would have been nice to like have this guy as a real weapon in a real offense for more than just one season. Um, but I think even getting one year out of a receiver like he's having right now is is you know more than more than most programs get on a year to year basis. So maybe that's maybe that's being a little greedy. It is going to be better than the Byron Murphy experience for the simple fact of at least he will have played all three seasons. They redshirted Byron Murphy. And I remember getting into a very, very, like, it was a somewhat heated argument uh, with Brock Heward about this because he was like, oh, they they handled it right. By redshirting him, he was chomping, or is it champing at the bit? Like that he was ready to go after he redshirted that year and played. And, and my reaction when he said that, I was like, are you crazy? Like the way he looks right now, 
I don't know if he's going to play his junior season. Like he might leave with you just getting two seasons. And if, if you do that, you screwed up. Like if, if a player, you redshirt him, he plays his, his, his redshirt freshman season, his sophomore season, and then he goes to the NFL. Like you're an idiot. You waste, like you wasted them. You can talk all you want about why you made that or whether or not he would have played. And people have made that argument with me about Byron Murphy. I believe I have. <laughs> have you? <laughs> I think this has come up before. Yeah, this is something that I'm gonna. Yeah. At least it'll be better than that because he got on the field as a true freshman, and they didn't mess around redshirting him. <laughs> He's gonna Rome. Rome is gonna end up playing more games. I think Byron Murphy played twenty games in his career. That's good. All He's starts. Such, such a physical corner. He's still physical in the NFL too. Um, God, I love the way he plays. If, and we'll get to the point where we talk about whether or not. And I don't, I don't know Rome at all or, or sort of any of his ambitions or kind of what he's looking for. He certainly strikes me as the kind of guy who's going to have opportunities to go pro. And, and if that's what he wants to do, there's no, there's no reasonable argument you can make to a player. Like, there's no financial-based it doesn't make financial sense for him to continue to play college football if he doesn't want to. I think it'll be that case. And maybe he decides the experience and he wants to come back and like there's all sorts of reasons why he why he could. But I'll still be pissed off at John Donovan, but I also feel that there's a little bit of found money this year because there's no reason he should have stayed. <laughs> That's a good last point. Year. <laughs> right? Like there there's and I get what you're saying of like, oh, man, you didn't get the full benefits of him. But I'm also like, yeah, but you also lucked out because you had an idiot in charge of the offense for his first two years. And he decided to stick it out when there there wasn't any real compelling argument that I could make for him other than I really like the Huskies, Rome. I think you're really good. And I think this will be awesome this next year for him. Like there wasn't like, why should he stay? He he decided to stay because he liked DeBoer, and and if th- if this is the payoff and this is this is where it ends, like I'm going to be ecstatic that we got to see this season. I, we're we're well past the point of of anybody being able to reasonably expect another year out of Michael Penix Jr. Right? I think so, but that one might be a little bit different. I'm not sure how he's going to profile as a pro quarterback. And I like I I totally get that, and I, and I agree. Um, he's old. I mean. So it's not he's not going to become a better pro prospect by playing another year. Yeah, like, there's there's nothing that he will gain. But again, like that's with I think it's a little different with him and Rome because I think Rome could be a second or a third round pick, um, as a baseline, and it might go up from there depending on what happens going forward. I don't know. I haven't looked enough at the rest of the draft, but just like my eye test of what I see is like, is like, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's going to be there in the fourth round. Just looking at, at, at his, at his size, his speed and how he plays. Yeah. And like with panics, I think it's, it's so much less about, well, what is, what do NFL teams think of him? And more just like, it, will there ever be a time when he is more attractive to NFL teams than coming off of a, what certainly appears it will be a 4,000 yard plus season and, and, you know, people, the, the best season, it's already the best season of his career. Even if it ended today, he's played deeper into the season than he ever has. He got his degree at Indiana. So, I mean, he's graduated. The school thing's done with him. He's just taken like post back classes. Um, I, you know, and I, I think, I think he is doing what he came here to do, which was kind of reset, fresh start with a coach that he knew an offense. He liked, he knew he had some skill talent around him. Um, and I, and I, I think it's, you know, it's been a, a perfect match that way, right? They needed a veteran quarterback. He needed a, a fresh start where you know he could kind of get back on the radar a little bit. He has in, in probably the biggest way anybody could have expected. Um, I just think this is, you know, this, this, it would, it would make too much sense. Um, to, to not take a shot at the pros after this year. And again, whether he's someone that NFL teams see as, as draftable or if it would be a camp invite or an undrafted free agent deal, you know, who knows? Uh, I just, I don't know what anyone advising him would have to sell in terms of, Hey, here's why you should come back to college for a sixth season. Yeah, I would agree with that. 
I, I, I definitely, there's, there's nothing that he's going to gain from doing that. Um, it would just entirely be a matter of, would you, would you want to have another college year and a, and a chance that, that maybe you win a, a conference title. But the other thing, I don't think any of us know what it's going to be like for all of these guys who eligibility is not going to be the, the, the amount of eligibility you have left is, is, is not going to be always the prime directive of what you decide to do with your career. Cause so many guys have so much eligibility based on what's happened. Yeah. And I think you're going to see more and more guys, like even if they're not going to be drafted who are like, well, I played college football for five or six years. Not everybody's Britain Covey, man. Like, not everybody's <laughs> going to be content to play eight years of college football. Like, Kyler Gordon could still be playing college football next season if he wanted to. <laughs> and didn't it feel like he was in the program like a while? He was, he was there yes. four years. He put in four years. He could have played this year. He could have played next year. So, yeah, like, and DeBoer has mentioned that. Like, big, you know, they only have, what, 10 or 11 scholarship seniors who are legit in their last year of eligibility. But he's like, you know, there, there's a bunch of guys who are in their fifth year who have another year left. But, you know, e- even if even if you're not going to pursue a pro career, you get to a point where you're like, I don't, I don't really want to be in college anymore. I don't want to be playing college football anymore. Like, I'm not an NFL player. I've got my degree. I've done some internships. I kind of just want to get on with it, you know? Yes. So like I think yeah. you're gonna you're gonna see a bunch of guys like that across and you, like, you've always seen guys like that, right? The guys who, you know, red shirted and have a fifth year of eligibility left, but they've got their degree and they're just kind of ready to be done. So you'll see some of that. By the way, I you mentioned John Ross playing corner. I had to go and look up because um, it always kind of amuses me that the Washington starting defensive lineup for the Cactus Bowl that year against Oklahoma State. A game they did not play well in and, and lost. There was, a, there was a fat guy touchdown late in that game that was just brutal. There was. Um, <laughs> this was their starting defense that day. Uh, Andrew Hudson at DN. Evan Hudson at D-tackle. Danny Shelton at nose tackle. Hauli Kikaha at buck linebacker. John Timu at linebacker. Shaq Thompson at linebacker. Travis Feeney at linebacker. Kevin King at safety. Buda Baker at safety, Sidney Jones at corner, and John Ross at corner. That's wild, man. That's like you read the first ten and you're like, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot that's of like talent. Five five dudes drafted in the first three rounds. Yeah, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Six. Seven. One of them is a receiver. <laughs> one of them is a receiver. So he does. That's wild. God, that's wild. You're reading, you're reading like the first ten, and then you get to John Ross, and you're like, "Wait, John Ross? <laughs> what?" That was the weirdest thing. I it, it always struck me as so strange. Where I was kind of like, "He must have been a pain in the butt for the receivers coaches or something." Like, there's something that must have have happened specifically where they're like, "This guy just can't do it." Like, I don't know if it was routes or footwork or something, but he's that fast. And it happened both in college and in the pros, where they messed around with the idea of making him a DB. So weird. I think they were they were really desperate because that was the year like um, Buddha and Sidney Jones were true freshmen. That was the year. By the way, that was that season was the last time a quarterback threw for four hundred plus yards against them before Saturday Vern, when Vernon Adams put up four seventy five at Eastern Washington. Um, so like that was that year when they had you know they had that game where they gave up you know 52 points and it was like oh okay like this is this is a really young secondary they don't have a lot of bodies there you could tell they were going to be good but just a lot of, a lot of youth and inexperience and i think they were just they were just desperate for a corner and yeah like i don't i don't know what the deal was with with ross offensively cuz he caught like he had the 91 yard touchdown catch against hawaii from jeff lindquist in their opener that year and i think he also scored on like an end around in that game and they were not a good offensive team. Like Siler Miles was their quarterback, and you know everyone knows how that went. And we it was it was like this man. is this is not a team that this team is struggling to score points every week if they can't just run it down their opponent's throat. Like, don't you want your most dynamic player touching the ball and not playing DB? But like, I don't know. That's what they it it would kind of it was this, it was this the start. I guess well not the start because he he played some as a true freshman the year before, but it was it was just one more step in kind of an odd like you said an odd career for him because then he 
he tears his ACL and misses mm-hmm. the 2015 season entirely and then comes back in 2016 and has one of the best se- seasons by a receiver in school history. So Unbelievable. Thanks to Jeff Tedford. <laughs> <laughs> I, was ha- I had a conversation with a Cal, uh, a, a Cal alum the other day wondering if Cal might be able to pluck Jeff Tedford from Fresno State. They've already done that, though, right? You can't, can you go back and hire the same guy again? Does it ever work? Um, is it working for Fresno? I know, like, Hayner's been banged up. I kind of haven't followed their season. Didn't work at U- with USC and John Robinson, right? Like, the second time around with John Robinson was not nearly as good as the first time around. Didn't work with Bobby Petrino. <laughs> <laughs> is that the funniest picture that's ever appeared in professional sports? <laughs> I just can't get over that one that that happened. There were two. There was a press conference. <laughs> Dude, it wasn't just a press conference. And his head looks like a tomato. Like it looks like this battered and bruised tomato. <laughs> and he's talking about, <laughs> oh, I'm feeling okay. <laughs> It's like this. Like, I can't believe I survived. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> it turns out like I, I didn't want anybody to report on the accident. No one needs to ask any more questions about this. There was no one else on this motorcycle. I'm fine. Everything cer- is fine. It certainly was not the young lady that I that I that accompanied me. <laughs> they hired him again. Yeah. There's. I think what's so funny about it's I've I've struggled for a long time to understand what a meme is. But a meme is like a specific image that invokes sort of almost virus like this broad understanding of a fairly complicated situation. And that's the Bobby Petrino photo is a meme in that way before we even talked about him on the internet. Because at any point you see that photo of him, like it conveys this incredible history in which, dude, he was so successful at Louisville and they got so sick of his crap. Like how how big of a pain in the butt do you have to be for Louisville football to decide they don't want to deal with you anymore? Like that's how big a pain of the in the butt he was and constantly soliciting jobs. He goes to Atlanta and spends half a season as an NFL coach before ditching them so he can go to Arkansas where he gets into a motorcycle accident, appears at a press conference with a neck brace talking about the injuries before it's disclosed that the young lady riding on the back of his motorcycle, whom he'd hired as a recruiting coordinator was actually a former athlete. He was having an affair with like, it's just unbelievable. Like, and it's all communicated by that one picture. (laughs) And then three years later, Louisville is like, yeah, we'll do this again. Okay, we'll go back again. You learned something, Bobby? You're a little different? You're not going to flirt with so many jobs? You can't hire your recruiting coordinators you wanted? And then I believe, and I might be wrong about this, but I'm fairly certain at some point Nick Holt was on Bobby's staff. Yeah, that there was... That, there... I think that was before he went back to Louisville, maybe when he was at a directional Kentucky school. Uh, he was at... Well, Holt was believe... at Western Kentucky from 2013 through 16. I believe he's on Bobby Petrino's staff there. Um, And I believe he started as a quality control coordinator, and it's possible he held the same job title as that young lady that was riding on the back of Bobby Petrino's motorcycle. So he was at, interestingly, Holt was at Arkansas in 2012. So after he got fired at Washington in 2011, he got hired at Arkansas in 2012, the the year after uh Petrino was fired and then in 2013 he joins Petrino's staff as defensive coordinator at Western Kentucky but he no, stays at Western he stays at Western Kentucky after that after after Petrino bounces after one year to go back to Louisville so Nick Nick Holt uh, you know loyal guy by the way <laughs> I would say you said Bobby Petrino's a pain in the butt I I would say he's a bigger pain in the neck personally <laughs> Let's get to our Pac-12 picks. One one moment. It is worth acknowledging that Bobby Petrino's brother, Paul, once got into a shouting match 
with with Mike Leach after a game, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. Is it is it Paul? I'm not sure his name. I it's know Paul. it's Petrino's brother. It's Paul. Right? Yeah. Was he the coach at Idaho? He was for <laughs> for a longer time than I would have imagined. And then that included it was maybe my favorite like insult that a coach has ever given another insult because I think Paul said something to 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 Leach as the handshake was about to happen. Because he was mad that Dion Buchanan was still on the field at a late goal line stand. Yeah, they put their starting defense back in for a goal line stand. <laughs> and Leach doesn't really acknowledge Petrino, like isn't even really looking at him or anything, and then realizes Petrino has said something to him, is mad at him, so he just turns and curses at him. <laughs> like, yes. <it's> just... <laughs> and, and later, when he, that week when he's asked about, do you have anything to say about him? He goes, if I had anything to say to him, which I don't, I certainly wouldn't say it to you. <laughs> that was one of his That was one of his go-tos. Which is a great insult, right? Where it's just like, look, I don't care about that guy. And if I did care about that guy, the last person, like, it gets everybody. Yeah. Uh, they were neighbors, by the way. <laughs> In Pullman. <laughs> Put a flaming bag of dog poop on each other's doorstep. I wonder if Leach knew in. that. That seems like something he just, like, wouldn't notice. I don't know. I could see. I, Leach kind of seems like the kind of guy that walked through the neighborhood, perhaps, at an evening. Oh, he definitely walks to work. Yeah, that was a big. Correct. That was a big thing. Like every news outlet sent someone to go do the walk with him. It was like a rite of passage. Seems like that might be you might encounter. He saw Paul or Paul's Paul Paul's significant other, perhaps watering plants, tending to the yard. Perhaps there was a conversation. Yeah, a curse shouted, a friendly curse. <laughs> you tend to your dahlias. You don't tell me how to tend my dahlias. <laughs> oh fun times i was covering that team i covered that game did you yeah it was high drama there with washington state protecting its 42 to nothing lead (laughs) so great i love (laughs) it when coaches get bent out of shape about that stuff it's just the best uh oregon is a six and a half point favorite over ucla at home we're 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 tied again by the way we're both 15 and 15 on the season you went i don't believe either of us had a particularly impressive weekend last weekend and i had a worse weekend i need to apologize for talking you into cal minus 14 and a half against colorado (laughs) yeah i yeah i think i still would have taken i i was i was gonna go against colorado the one that shocked me was usc utah and like we because i was debating and complaining about how how utah actually had was getting points in that game um that man that was that was really that was a really good game and finally usc kind of got jobbed by the officials i was gonna say that the 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 want came to fruition the, the couple are roughing the passer calls that they are very upset about yeah. um i you know i felt uh you know felt super smart for picking utah there i, I backed my utes and and they still didn't cover so they didn't, I didn't cover i st- still though i don't get the benefit of it but uh at least i was on I was on to something. Um, you went one and four. You you had uh, you had USC covering the three and a half. That was the one. Um, I had Oregon State covering the four and Arizona covering fourteen and a half against Washington. So I'm I'm gaining ground. Sh- we're 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 we're, t- we're tied at at five hundred for the year. In full disclosure, I should get no credit for USC covering because I was indignant that they were not favored. Because you would like, you, you thought they were going to cover like ten their way. Y- yeah, yes. Correct. Well, you know, the numbers are the numbers. Okay. It'll all even uh, out in the end. I'm going UCLA. Yeah, give wow. Me the, give, okay. me, give me the six. Uh, give me the six. I'm going UCLA. I'm going to take UCLA also. I think that's I, – I, I'm probably going to pick Oregon straight up. I think six and a half is, is a lot against a team that's had a, a really – you know, quarterback – Veteran quarterback playing at a really high level. UCLA has the Pac-12's top defense in terms of uh, yards per play allowed. They've got a good pass rush. Um, obviously, Oregon has played very, very well uh, for the most part since the Georgia game. I think they've improved. Um, I think it's going to be an awesome atmosphere. Uh, looking forward to watching this game. The the one the one benefit to a a late night kick for Washington is. Uh, being able to sit around and watch some football. So I think it'll be a good one. Would not be surprised if Oregon won straight up, but I can't quite bring myself to pick them to cover six and a half. So we will go, uh, we'll go with UCLA. Um, Arizona state visits the resurgent 
Stanford Cardinal revitalized after their first win over a Power 5 team in, what was it, 10 games? And they go to South Bend to beat Notre Dame. Incredible. Uh, Stanford's favored by three in this game. And you also have Arizona State has not played since the, the, the victory against Washington. Correct. They, they played better. I'm going Arizona State. I don't believe I don't believe in Stanford. Yeah. Do we have an Emory Jones update? Or do we think that Trenton Bourget is uh is even better? Bourget looked pretty good, man. He's cleared it's, to it's, start. Jones is cleared to start, so they've got him it's back. It's dangerous to make any conclusions on how someone plays against the University of Washington. That's true. That's a good point. It's it's dangerous to to draw any sort of conclusions about what that person what what that person may or may not be capable of. Um, I'm going to take Stanford. I'm going to take Stanford and assume that uh, you know coming back they're they're going to be playing in front of their fan. So I I think they cover <laughs> I think they cover a field goal. I think Trent, yeah, I think uh, Tanner McKee throws a couple touchdowns and they they ride the the wave of their program changing victory over the Fighting Irish. What's the what are the ratings going to be? One o'clock on the Pac-12 Network, Arizona State against Stanford. How many people well, are tuning in for that one? It's the broadcast quality that you get with the Pac-12 Network. Well, it's 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 going to be a quality broadcast. Absolutely, you, you, you still got to put the football game on the broadcast. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, yeah, it's probably not going to be a real barn burner when it comes to the ratings. No, they'll not they'll not be burning any barns. Um, maybe if they put it, maybe if they kicked it at 9 a.m. Pacific, they get in that really good early window. Like, and so some people in Nebraska would really be pumped to see that because that's really good for exposure. Uh, the the similarly resurgent uh, Colorado Buffaloes visit Oregon State as 24 point underdogs. It's a lot of points. It is for a t- for a team that has not moved the ball super great. I'm I'm, I'm going to take the points with Colorado. That's too much lumber to be laid. I feel like that's the proper bet. And they're coming off a win. Yep. They're feeling better about themselves. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take Colorado covering the 24 on the road. I uh, I had a strict no betting on Colorado policy for the, <laughs> the first portion of this season. <laughs> but, hey, you go, you go out and you cover by, what, they cover by 21 or so. They beat the spread by like 21 last week. You gotta, you know, you gotta recalibrate. You gotta wake up to the fact that Colorado is a is a is a contender now, Danny. And we're gonna take you these, gotta adjust to new information. Seriously, cannot be willfully. You cannot willfully disregard uh, what 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 you are seeing in front of you. Uh, just four games in the league this week. So our our final pick, Washington, uh, goes to to California to Strawberry Canyon to the one one of the. The country's most underrated stadiums settings for a football place. game. It's a great place. Seven and a half point favorites at Cal. How many students are there? Um, like, is it the smallest student section of any? Yeah, I feel like not many. Although the media parking, and I don't, I hardly ever rent a car anymore. I usually just take Uber or whatever. But the the media parking, the walk from the garage up to the stadium is like through Greek Row. Yep, and it's they're all it's always very lively. It's always like. You can tell like there's a home football game being played today. People are out partying and it's uh it's kinda it's one of those cool like just little, you know, five minute experiences like, you know, you you definitely feel like you're walking to a major college football game, but then you get there and it's like, Oh, okay. There's there's not that many people here. Nope. But it's cool. Nope. It's scenic. It's picturesque. It's a, it's a beautiful spot. Yeah. Berkeley campus is wonderful. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um what do you think? Seven and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay the lumber on that one. Give me the dogs. I feel like this is a much more manageable line than the last couple weeks. Two touchdowns against those two teams. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Washington to cover this one. I just think they're better positioned to stop the run than the than the pass, which is not saying much. Um and that's Cal's strength. I don't think Cal even even knowing what Washington's defense is, I just don't see them like lining up and trying to throw the ball 45 times with what they've got available on that side of the ball. So um, I think, I think Penix and, and the passing game, keep it rolling. Um, 
I think they'll convert a fourth down or two. And I, yeah, I, I see Washington covering seven and a half. Should be a good weekend. That UCLA Oregon game is going to be really good. Yeah, that's going to be. That's going to. It's weird to think that I was. I was reading something the other day that had like Chip Kelly's or the years of Chip Kelly's Oregon tenure in parentheses. It was like, man, like that's it. Yeah, he was. He wasn't. He, he was only there yeah. four seasons. I know. And it's weird to think it, about. It feels like a lot longer than that. And maybe it's because yeah. he was he was OC for a couple of years before that, but. He's been at UCLA He's, longer now. Yeah. He he was I mean he was the OC when it really took off. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, his his head coaching tenure was not that long. Um I've I'll always be interested to see what happened if he got another go or wanted another go in the NFL. Um I think I think Chip's really smart. And and I think he's got some insights. I don't know how how well he, he he relates to or would I don't know how much he cares about the motivational part of being a football coach like I've always wondered that but I, he's super smart like his understanding and his the way that they communicated and played at tempo was something that a lot of NFL teams learned from like the 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 mechanics and logistics that they used to communicate to be able to play that fast is something that got incorporated into a lot of NFL teams um, which doesn't like usually that's kind of spacing things. And for him, it was it was really his mechanics of communication. And then he got in the pros and he was super interested in sports science. And all the players talked about how he wanted their pee. <laughs> well, what's weird about that? <laughs> yeah, not not weird at all. Make sure that you give me your first first morning's urine sample. Actually, whenever I take my dog to the vet. They ask for that as well, and I always think of Chip Kelly as I'm collecting. I use a little baking tray to place under my dogs to get the sample and then pour it into a jar. And I'm like, I wonder if this is how the players felt like when they played for Chip Kelly. This reminds me, I've been meaning to bring this up because I'm curious. Like, I know you're, you're a longtime dog owner. You've had multiple dogs, lived in yes. multiple cities with them. Um, where do you stand on your, your out walking your dog? And and your dogs your dogs gotta gotta go, and they go, mm-hmm. and you got your little bag, and you and you pick it up. There are people who get very upset. Homeowners who would get very upset if their garbage cans, for example, are out on the street. Maybe it's pickup day or tomorrow's pickup day. They're already out there, and you just toss that poop bag into the garbage can. Where, where do you stand on on disposing of the 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 the, the dog poop bag uh, in a a, a homeowner's garbage can versus searching out or waiting until you pass a public one. I don't put it in a homeowner's garbage can. Like I, I and I want to say that I've never done that. I'm not positive on that, but to the best of my recollection, I don't ever do that. So I I'll, don't either, but there's a sort of thing of, I don't do it. I think the people who get really pissed off about it, are are more in the wrong than the people who put the put the poop in there. Like I think the people that are really indignant about it are like that's that's pretty insufferable. Like that and that's that's way worse than than the person who puts it in there. All things being equal, I think it's best if you put dog poop in a public receptacle. That being said, if you've got a huge issue with that and that's like one of your top 5 things like I don't really want anything to do with you because I'm pretty sure you're a moron. So I, I am in 100% agreement on all fronts. I never do it because I know that there are people who don't like it, and it's you know it's not my property. So if you want to say I only want certain things going in my garbage can and dog poop is not one of them, and you don't get to decide that, okay, fine. And so I don't I don't I don't do it for that reason. If my garbage can was out on the street and someone someone's dog you know pooped on my, whether it's my yard or like the little strip of grass between the sidewalk and the street, which our street doesn't have, but some do. And and they pick up the poop in a bag and then throw it in my garbage can. I cannot imagine caring. I yeah. cannot imagine caring about that. I would say, Hey, like, thank you for picking it up. You know? Cause like to me, my, my, the bar is so low because so many people don't. And so many people are in, inconsiderate enough to just leave it or like, I see this. Do you see this where people pick it up in a bag? You'll 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 walk past a 
a tied off like dog poop bag that's laying on this on the ground somewhere. Those are the ones where I'm like, you picked it up, and then you just left it. Why did yeah. you? Why did you even bother picking it up? Yeah, some weird people out there, man. Some some really weird people. Rate the podcast if you haven't, folks. <laughs> Leave a review. Let me know. And, hey, let me know. Are you if if I'm walking past your house and I, you know, I'm carrying a dog poop bag and I'm waiting until I get to the next public receptacle because I'm considerate like that. Let me know if if I can if I can just go ahead and, and drop it in your garbage can so that I don't have to continue carrying it because I don't know. I don't. Maybe I'm in an unfamiliar part of town. I don't know where the next the next public trash can is. These are the things that keep me up at night. Yeah, it's we live in a society, a mother of children. <laughs> Of walruses, <laughs> of hippopotami. Oh, enjoy the game, everybody. Drink coffee. Stay up late. Pack twelve after dark. We'll see you next week. <laughs>